Once upon a time, there was a great wind, a mighty life-giving energy that breathed everything into existence, a power that moved along the waters of the deep, the Spirit of God. One day, a group who loved God was praying and meeting, celebrating a Jewish feast with friends and family, unaware of what was going to happen. Heaven was about to pay a visit. A violent wind filled the room where they prayed. Tongues of fire descended, separated, and rested on each of them. The Spirit of God didn't just come near them, the Spirit filled them. And each one began to speak in a foreign language, the many languages of all the people who lived in Jerusalem. All those who passed by marveled at what they saw. How could it be that each one could hear their own native language at the same time? Some claimed it was miraculous. Others scoffed and called them drunk. But Peter stepped forward and boldly proclaimed the truth. What the scripture described long ago had now come to pass right before their eyes. I will pour out my spirit, the Lord told his people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Here was the moment. The power of God filled the faithful. The body of Christ rose up, alive and active, equipped and empowered to love God, to love others. The good news continues to be proclaimed. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the best news is, for those who believe, the story never ends. And that, my friends, is how the church was born. And we say happy birthday today. Happy birthday, church! It wasn't a political movement. It wasn't a, a group of smart uh, business people who developed a new uh, strategic vision and for metrics and, and to stay on track. It wasn't a celebrity who launched a new initiative to strengthen uh, their brand. No, it was an act of God. A miraculous movement of the Holy Spirit that would send these followers of Jesus from a timid place of fear into a stratosphere of world change. And the church grew from less than 200 people to over 3,000 people in just one sermon. That's one heck of a sermon. I'm so envious. No. Maybe you're, you come here today thinking, oh, this is just June 5th. This is just another Sunday. No, 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 it's not. Today is the day of Pentecost. And I could not be more excited to be sharing God's word with you today. And the apostles, they preached boldly. They did miracles and signs and wonders to show the Jews and the Romans that Jesus isn't dead. Their lives beamed and shined because he was alive. 
He is alive. He's powerful. He's on the move. He's still healing, still forgiving, still loving. His word is still true. You can crucify him. You can put him in a grave, but you cannot keep him down. You cannot stop the movement. It's Pentecost. It's the power of the Holy Spirit and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have access to that very same power. And it empowered the believers to change the world. And invites us in to partner in this life-changing ministry. Inside. Awesome news. And I can't wait to tell you about it. I say today, go and read Acts chapter 2. And just read Peter's powerful, powerful message. And after his message, Peter, Peter's message, things went exponential. There was multiplication. And so today we're beginning this series titled Multiply. God wants us to become disciples, but also disciple makers. And today we're going to look at what is a disciple. Peter's message was powerful because he became a disciple of Jesus. He followed Jesus, he learned from Jesus, and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But let's rewind the tape. What about when Jesus was first, or, or Peter was first called to be a disciple? Let's look at that encounter. Imagine standing on that seashore. The waves are rolling in, the seagulls are cackling, the fishermen are in their boats, and some are on the shoreline casting their nets into the sea. And here comes Jesus. He walks up to them. Let's look at Mark 1, 16 through 20, and hear the call. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You know, immediately my mind goes back to that old faithful hymn, Jesus Calls Us. You know it? Jesus calls us or the tumult of life's wild, restless sea from each idol that would keep us saying, Christian, follow me. And that's the call of God, the call of Jesus Christ upon our lives. Jesus calls us. It's not the cell phone calling. It's not Avon calling. It's not even the church calling. It is Jesus calling. The Word of God incarnate calling to you, my friends. The Son of God knows you by name. The Savior of the world wants you to follow Him. Jesus is calling, and He speaks to our inmost being, our innermost being. He is the one who can give our lives meaning and purpose, and He's calling you. Without Him, we'll always be wandering. With him, we have purpose combined with power. Hear that, purpose combined with power. 
And through him, our sins are forgiven. Our lives have direction. Jesus is calling. And many times, Jesus calls us o'er the turmoil of life's wild and restless sea. And when we feel like we're being tossed to and fro by this world, this difficult world, he calls us to follow his ways, our pattern for life, his responses within the parameters of our human activity in this world. And what does he call us to become? A disciple. A disciple is considered a student, someone who disciplines him, his self, or herself in teachings and practices of another. The dictionary defines disciple as one who accepts and assists in the spreading of a doctrine of another. If you wanted to be a Jewish rabbi, which means teacher, you didn't do what I did and sign up for college and seminary education and read books and write Oh, many, many, many papers. You found a rabbi, and you, you, that one that you respected, and you became that rabbi's disciple. You followed him or her around. You listened to their teaching. You watched everything that that person did. We have a lot of Jewish writings that give us details about how this worked. Disciples of rabbis would watch how many steps a rabbi would take. To on the Sabbath day, they would watch how a, a rabbi would wash his hands, how he would dress, and then they would do it, mimic it. If you're going to be a disciple, you have to study his life and his teachings of Jesus Christ. And when you do begin to walk in the way of Jesus, you'll begin to experience and start to act out of things like sacrificial love or humility, or meekness, or wisdom, and power, just to name a few. When Jesus called his first disciples, he spoke simple words, follow me. These fishermen, they responded, leaving their careers, their possessions, and even their families to follow him. They left poor Zebedee in the boat. It literally says that they forsook all as they began this new journey. The word forsake literally means that they turn their back on their former lives. And it implies a choice and a commitment. It wasn't just some part-time project for them where they could change their minds in a few days and then give, get back to their pro, pro, uh, profession as fishermen. They left everything. And by doing so, they were making a promise to complete the course, to finish this new assignment. Does this mean that we, that we consent to leave all and follow? No, but it does mean that we recognize him as the authority, the teacher, the leader, and to make our commitment to make Jesus Christ our first priority in life. Think about how priorities drive your life. What is a priority? Well, a priority is superiority in rank, position, and privilege. A preferential rating, something given or merited attention before competing alternatives. In simple terms, a priority is something of, of leading importance in your life. It's what you live for, you focus on. It can claim your time, your energy, your resources. When I was 15 years old, 
14, 15 years old, I saw a movie that just blew my mind. It was called Back to the Future. I, it had a lot of influence on my life because it seemed like all the girls just swooned over Michael J. Fox, who portrayed Marty McFly in that movie. So what did I do? I began to dress like Michael J. Fox. I tried to walk like him, talk like him, behave like him. And trust me, I don't know how many times I said, Wait a minute, Doc! Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? When someone would say, You remind me of Michael J. Fox! Oh, I'd just brush it off. But deep down inside, I would smile. Because that's what I wanted. It was my priority at the time. And eventually, and this was before, before Christ days, I had this false identity in a short period of time. I shake my head thinking about all the time and, and energy I, uh, effort I was trying to make to be like Michael J. Fox. As an impressionable kid, my priorities got screwed up. Thank God it didn't last, and you don't have a pastor trying to act like Michael J. Fox. <laughs> now I'm trying my best to be the best version of Jonathan Coleman in Christ. In Christ, I found my true self. And it was birthed out in a way. And it happened through the ministry of following Jesus Christ and being in the power of the Holy Spirit. What do you think about? How do you spend your money? How do you spend your time? Well, that is your priority. Beloved, God desires for us to live in Him and through Him by putting Him first. The priority A, number one. Brothers and sisters, it's an intentional relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible reveals to us that Jesus discipled his followers with dedication and teaching. Jesus' passion was for his disciples to grow in living their life to the fullest and abundantly. Scriptures show us that when his disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he taught them to what? Pray the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to pray this morning at communion. When they were arguing about who was the greatest, he taught them hands-on what it means to be a lowly servant and wash others' feet. Therefore, a disciple needs to be in relationship and have an intimate, instructive, and imitative relationship with the teacher. Being a disciple of Jesus is seeking to be like Jesus. In other words, discipleship is how we become transformed into the image of Christ. The Apostle Paul writes about this in Romans 8, 28 through 30. He says, We know that in all things God works for good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. You see, followers of Jesus are continuously being changed by every means at God's disposal with the intention of making us more like Christ. As a disciple, we are to commit ourselves the study in God's Word, being shepherded towards spiritual maturity, 
experiencing transparency before the Lord and before the groups or study groups that we're involved in, like bands and life group and accountability, and then representing Christ to the world. We must remember that we have intentionality in our relationship with Christ. The bottom line is, my friends, God wants us to become like His Son. And in God's mind, it's the greatest glory for our lives. God is glorified when our lives begin to be patterned like Jesus Christ, especially in practice. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to study his life and his teaching and put that in to practice. You don't hear much about putting Jesus' teaching into practice much, do you? It's really popular nowadays to take one or two favorite things about Jesus and have a limited picture to justify your own lifestyle. For example, you can only look at Jesus clearing the temple and telling off the religious leaders, and then you create this smackdown Jesus. I'll follow smackdown Jesus, and I'll just chew out everybody that comes, that comes along. That's fun, but it's not the totality of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible also describes him as a suffering servant who quietly healed people, who cried at his friend's funeral, and ultimately gave his life for us on a cross. He also welcomed everyone and told us that the greatest commandments are to love God and love others. So we can emphasize and, and focus on that alone. And we get this Jesus who really doesn't care about, you know, what you do as long as you're loving. But that's not the totality, all of Jesus. Because he also challenged us to be holy as God is holy. And told a man to stop sinning so, so bad things wouldn't happen to him again. You see, to be a disciple of Jesus is to know all of Jesus. Not just a cute portrait that matches your expectations. Following Jesus is the best and the hardest decision you will make. Do you really want to learn from him? All of him. If so, take what you learn, put it into practice. You see, if we choose to be like Jesus in practice, he's not going to leave us powerless in those practices. You see, God will empower us. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to exist solely on Jonathan power. I've tried that, and things go bad really quick. How often we live our lives on our own strength. We run around doing what seems good unto us. And in the process, we get exhausted. We get tired. We get stressed. We get pressurized. We get weak, worn out. Many of us have this, this broad shoulder uh, approach. We, sure, we can handle, we, we think we can handle whatever comes along our way. That's great until, until one day when things just get too much and we need help. And we need to tap in to this power. It's then we discover that we need God and His strength for our lives. I remember when I was in seminary doing my chaplaincy practicum, practicum at Christ Hospital. It was intense. I was assigned young seminarian to the oncology floor at Christ Hospital. I remember I'd come home just completely, just waxed, just completely drained, spent from, from ministry that I was entrusted. Each day was filled with ministry to the dying and their families. 
Eventually, I had nothing left. I was burnt out in a short period of time. I sat down with my supervisor, who I saw as my authority at that time. His name is Reverend Doug Mitchell. I, I believe he's still at Christ Hospital today. I said, Doug, how do I do this? He said, I've been watching you. He said, You're, you can't do it on Jonathan Power alone. You need God's power and ministry flowing through you. You know, I learned quickly to stop at the chapel several times a day for a prayer power-up, like plugging in, like a cell phone's fast-charged, and I would leave that chapel filled. I relied on God, and it came through that prayer and what I believe, the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, as disciples, we have to remain in that power. The Bible tells us that we are earthen vessels. You are in earthen vessels. And what do vessels do? They carry things. We carry God's power. So that's the basics of what it means to be a disciple. Plain and simple, my friends. It's not easy, but it's done by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's possible. It's a life-changing in the ministry entrusted to us through the ministry of Jesus Christ. You, this, this series called Multiply, it's, it's not just about being only a disciple and learning to be a disciple, but it's also about becoming a disciple maker as well. Are you a disciple maker? Once you know Jesus and make him Lord of your life, it's so natural for you to share about him and the good things and the powerful things that Jesus is doing in your life. I want to share a story uh, with you from Marge Putman. She's a member of our congregation, and she shares about how she was discipled and how it changed her life. Let's look at this video. I wasn't raised in the church. Uh, my parents didn't take us to church except for Easter. Um, and so growing up, um, I didn't know a lot about God. I didn't know anything about Jesus. But after I got married and had my daughter Allison, she had some very major medical issues that landed her in the hospital when she was three weeks old. And I really felt lost. Um, she was in surgery and I didn't know what to do. I saw a picture in the hallway of an operating room with the hand of God reaching down into the operating room. And it just caught my attention. And uh, after Allison healed and was home, I actually was very angry that God would do something like this to my baby. And so I started on a journey to find out who this God was and why he would do that. And I had a very good friend at work who I had shared that with, and she encouraged me to find a church home where I could learn more about God, learn more about Jesus, and really uh, understand why things happen as they do in the world. And so Mark and I found a church near us, and we joined the church and started a disciple Bible study. And through that study, over the course of nine months, I learned who this God was and how much God loved me. And I would each week meet with my friend and share what I was learning in Disciple, and she would just be thrilled for me. Um, she would ask me questions, she would give me other scriptures to look up that supported what I was learning in Disciple, 
And she just really um, surrounded me and encouraged me to continue um, the discipline of study and prayer and um, being in God's Word. And as I grew in my faith, I would pray and I would serve and I would talk to others about my story because my story is unique to me. So looking back all these years later, I'm just so thankful that she reached out to me and um, saw my need and just came alongside me and encouraged me. I just can never repay her for that initial step of being bold enough to reach out to me and say, hey, I see you're struggling. Let me, let me pray for you. That was the first thing she prayed for me. And then it grew from there when we became fast friends. We're still friends today. We've seen each other's kids grow up and grandkids, and it's just been uh, a privilege to uh, walk through life with this dear friend. You know, Marge is a multiplier. She is. She's, she's experienced this transformation. And do you notice she, she mentioned disciple? And I'm a graduate of Disciple, and it's, it's just an amazing course that we can take right here to, to form us into disciple makers. I want to share some testimonies about Disciple Bible Study. It says, I love to be able to read each week and to be able to discuss it with my friends in a safe setting. And the Bible can be hard to read. And I've loved growing closer to God and God's Word while growing closer to other believers and it's led me to understand God's word and his love for us in a way that I haven't experienced before. And even before, uh, even for the second time participating in it, this person says that they learn something new each week. Amen. I encourage you to check out the, uh, the, at the Red Balloons, check out signing up for Disciple this fall. You know, my friends, I want to close with asking some disciple of Jesus questions this morning. Are you more spiritually mature now than a few years ago? And how has Jesus been changing you? Is God working in your life, transforming you? Are you becoming more and more like Jesus? And have you been actively following Jesus? And are you becoming more useful for God's purposes? And have you been on a mission with Jesus? You know, during this series, I, I, I believe we should try to find two or three people whose faith we respect and ask them to meet specifically with us to learn from their faith journey. Let us pray together. God, we thank you for... Uh, this time where we can learn about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We thank you for Pentecost and the birth of the church and how we can celebrate your power filling us to be disciples of Jesus Christ and then to become disciple makers. As we come to this table this morning, transform our hearts and our minds and our souls as we commune with you, O oh Lord, at your supper. We thank you and we praise you for Pentecost, and for pouring out your Spirit upon all the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.